Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadin coming to you live from North Carolina, and hopefully everyone is able to have a restful and peaceful weekend, ready, rejuvenated for the week ahead as we have some continuing follow-up stories from Biden's trip, President Biden's trip to the Middle East, Um, some things we need to be aware of about some statements he made on Friday and some statements being made by uh, not only Saudi Arabia, but Iran as well, and some things we can pray for and watch for and to stay focused on in the season ahead and in this week as we are coming closer towards the August recess. And that's something important for us to pay attention to as we get closer to the midterms, the heat of passing certain bills, um, the the codifying of abortion into law is going to be pushed forward. The increasing pressure to pass a continuing budget, um, continuing spending, which is somewhat troubling. But first, we want to start off in scripture. And um, going along with our reading plan throughout the year that we have, you can find on our social media pages and on our app, is we read uh, today in 2 Corinthians 4. And it title of today's message of Renewed Day by Day. And I want to give a breakdown of that because I think this, what Paul's talking about here, even at the t- at that time of some things to be aware of, of even as people, Paul himself and his apostolic ministry, as it's described here in um, the New American Standard Version of this passage of Scripture, is very interesting, but we we see here that Paul, and I want to point towards these scriptures, and then I want to get down to the bottom. He says, um, in verse three, he says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. If, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ as our Lord. And and it speaks to here in verse 3, the, the and I think we're seeing this here in today's day and age, the gospel that Paul was preaching and talks about preaching is because he was preaching from Jesus, it wasn't adding anything to, wasn't adulterating, compromising it, um, as he talks about in verse one and two there. Um, that there is some, and I think that's that's a position of where we're at. And we talk about you know praying for those blinders to be removed. We want to continue to pray that today, but it shows something, and it shows even we ourselves have to be renewed. But he goes on, and this is what I want to highlight today: the verse of the day is verse 16 through 18. He says, Therefore, do not lose heart. But through our outer man, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. That's the key point of do not lose heart. 
uh, of let's continue to be renewed day by day. Let's continue to go from glory to glory. As we read about in earlier uh, chapters through our reading plan, he says, For momentary um, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And it's, I think that's very re- redeeming to understand is, look, we're not just living for this world. We're living for eternity as well. That's where our hope lies. And he goes on in verse 18 to close out and say, It's why we look not at these things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that has to be our focus. Eternity has to be our focus when we're looking at this. Is yes, there will be things that you know the world and leaders do that just don't make sense in the eyes of the Lord and don't make sense to us, those who are trying to pray for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we just want to continually remind ourselves to be renewed day by day, number one, but then also that we have to keep our focus on the eternal perspective and, and pray for those whose veil, who, whose eyes are veiled to what the Lord would want. And right now is a season to where that veil has the opportunity to be removed if people can place their hearts in a proper position position to receive from the Lord and to be open to hearing what the Lord is trying to say in this season because every lie right now is being exposed from abortion to the lies on, uh, against Israel and and it's just it's time for the American church the American people churches around the world the body of Christ around the world to really awaken to the reality of these lies that have been exposed and and hopefully through this season and the benefit of this is the fruits of this can be that people's eyes will be um, open to the realities and the lies that have been going on okay today we want to kind of fought we want to follow up on Biden's trip to the Middle East, some fallout from that, and then some interesting factors that have come to light from this trip. And so we see now that the Biden administration, listen to our sermon yesterday, talks a little bit about this and, and how we're in um, the the ninth of, we're getting towards the ninth of Av. And Biden came out and stood for a two-state solution based upon 1967 lines, which basically means Israel is unable to defend itself in a natural militarily standpoint of view. The interesting thing about this is is he's trying to bring peace to the Middle East, quote-unquote. He's trying to offer a two-state solution, quote-unquote. But the issue here is that when... The history on this is when the Palestinians have been given the opportunity to have, quote-unquote, what the Americans want, they balk at it and they run from it because that's not what they want. They want complete annihilation of the Jewish people and of no for there to be no state of Israel within any place throughout the world. That's who he's trying to set up a negotiation with. And Israel, especially the younger generation, is kind of in the balance. I think the older generation understands a two-state solution is really hard to come by. And so they're all over the map as well. Their politics are a mess, and that's probably a good thing right now. 
Um, because if the former political leadership was in play, they would push for this and it would be utterly disastrous and harmful, not only for America who is pushing for this, but also for um, Israel as well. And so we're seeing this being pushed forward here. I'm kind of summarizing this report here. Um, Biden is pushing for these things of a two-state solution. So we'll really see um, what really happens about this. Now, after this came out and Biden made his trip back to the United States, the Iranian um, – an Iranian senior advisor – to the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei boasted that Iran is able to enrich uranium at 60% and could very easily get it to 90%, and which means they are at the capability to be able to produce nuclear weapons. Let's remember the United States is trying to negotiate Iran back into the Iran nuclear deal. Because they think somehow Iran, who is telling you that they're at the capability to being able to produce nuclear weapons, will somehow go back towards a 3% uranium enrichment deal. They're at 60. They're talking about going to 90, and you're saying they're, they would agree to go back to 3. We can get them to go back to 3. Yeah, that's not how that works. And the thing about them is if they're coming out and saying this, that means they're ready for – Death and destruction. They want to use these weapons, um, and this was being told to that told to an Al Jazeera Arabic service on Sunday. Reuters reported it and backed it up. Um, and I'm pulling this article from Breitbart, who kind of summarizes everything here and, and makes sure to kind of bring a full picture about on this scenario. So that's where. The Iranians are. That's where the Americans are um, on this issue. That's where the Palestinians are now. You're also seeing extreme contradictions from the Saudis who combat a lot of the lies being spoken from, unfortunately, from this administration about how um, – you know they're talking about OPEC producing more oil. Saudi has said the Saudi Crown Prince has said they're, he's only willing and capable of producing 13 more bar million barrels of oil per day, and he says that that number is not expected to be hit until 2027. So, yeah, interesting there. Biden's kind of praising that. He's been praising um, relations between Israel and the Middle East. Saudis kind of push back on that, saying, "Look, we're we're not doing this because of our partnership with with Israel." And part of that could be of the ties and things um, with Iran and other Middle Eastern countries. And so, it's just a an interesting combating of what's really happening. Um, from what the Biden administration says. Now, if there is going to be more oil produced even more, it's going to be from OPEC countries as well. They're going to, they're going to come together. There's a meeting on August the 3rd, which they're going to come together. That'll be something interesting to see as far as um, energy production. Also, the Biden administration tried to push the Green New Deal while he was over there. That's just 
complete buffoonery um, to even talk about. And, and one of the biggest interesting factors from this trip in the Middle East is that the Biden administration talked about its next phase. And the quote unquote fact sheet on this from the White House is saying that the Biden administration and that the United States will strengthen its cooperation with the Middle East um, to address 21st century challenges. And he bases upon five principles. And I want to go through these in a, here in a second. It was partnership, deterrence, diplomacy, integration, and values. And the partnership, he's, the, the statement from the White House says that the United States will support and strengthen partnerships with countries that subscribe to the rules-based international order, and we will make sure those countries can defend themselves against foreign threats. Okay, that seems like something America could stand for. Um, but the question is, what are these rules-based international order? I'll get to that here in a second. Uh, the second portion is deterrence. The United States will not allow foreign or regional powers to jeopardize freedom of navigating through the Middle East's waterways, including the Strait of Hormaz, uh, the Bab al-Mundab, and not nor tolerant efforts by any country to dominate another or the region through military buildups, incursions, or threats. Hmm. Very interesting. Diplomacy. The third pillar of this deal. The United States will not just aim to deter threats to regional stability. We will work to reduce tension, de-escalate, and end conflicts wherever possible through diplomacy. Yeah, that's not how the Middle East works. They don't they don't negotiate via diplomacy. That's the Western mind thinks that this is a possibility. It's not. We have to understand the Eastern mindset. And it's this shows this administration and policy leaders just they don't understand that. Um Integration is the fourth pillar. The United States will build political, economic, and security connections between U.S. partners wherever possible while respecting each country's sovereignty and independent choices. Quite interesting. <laughs> uh, and the last value, which just kind of makes the whole thing fall apart. This whole thing is very contradictory. Um, five values. The United States will always promote human rights and the values enshrined in the U.N. Charter. Okay. That right there tells you how everything will be based upon, not based upon the independent sovereignty choices of each nation. Nation. It's based upon what the UN says. And the the very interesting thing is promote human rights and the values enshrined in the UN Charter. Let's understand this. Let's take a step back. If you know anything about the UN Human Rights Council, they have had countries such as North Korea, China, Iran, Russia. Venezuela involved in the Human Rights Council, who let's just take China by itself, who is has been on and is vying to be on in the next round on the Human Rights Council. One of the most known publicly with evidence violators of human rights around the world. And you're saying we're going to abide by those values? I don't think so. And this is where we want to pray for this administration, our leaders. And look, Nikki Haley, when she was um, UN ambassador for the United States, who stood up for Israel, and look, the UN is is stands completely against Israel. They will attack Israel, punish Israel. We talked about recently about how there are UN soldiers on the borders watching Syrian and terrorist organizations fighting and shooting rockets towards Israel. They can do that, but Israel cannot respond in retaliation unless they'll be reported to the UN Council. 
this same council will be the one that the administration is saying these these are the ones that are going to be upholding the values that we're going to partner with in the Middle East. Very, very alarming um, to see us make this. And so we want to repent for the Biden administration's stance. Number one, to divide Israel. Pray for the continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and intercede for the Biden administration and and more so military and future leaders to have the fear of the Lord when making decisions on Israel and Iran. And I'll put these in the comment section below for some reason it's not showing up. So we want to just uh, continue to pray for these issues that the Biden administration is dealing with. Um, and and some of these things look good on paper, but the reality of when you look at it and, and, and talking about we want to support the each country's sovereignty, ind independent choice, but we're also going to let the UN make the decisions on that. We're going to do things based upon international law. We're seeing right now with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, the international law means absolutely jack squat. And also, let's look at our border. If we're going to say we're going to do by, let the international law be the determining factor, we wouldn't have what happened at our, our border because the international law, UN law, charter says that if you were seeking refu refugee from your country, you go to the nearest country, and they have to accept you. That's not the case that's being happening. They're coming from Guatemala, China, Iran, the Middle East, Ukraine, Russia. Now, does that mean you can't take them in? No. It just means is if there are countries that are being overrun, you can only go to – the international law says go to the closest country. Like we have an international law standard that says we can turn you away internationally. But I digress. Okay. Moving on. Uh, we saw Friday. Want to point this out. Want to repent for this. We talked about it yesterday in our sermon. If you weren't able to hear, uh, the House passed a, a bill, um, basically codify two bills codifying Roe uh, abortion into law. Um, now, this has to go. This will go to the Senate. It has to pass the 60-vote threshold to pass the filibuster. And so there is really the biggest prayer point, which we have prayed before and we're going to continue to pray for, is to stand up, pray for Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema to have a backbone to not give in to the filibuster. He's, he's saying they're going to do it on the um, budget bills coming up. Kirsten Cinema has been real quiet, but we know where she stands on in the past. She doesn't like to negotiate this stuff in public, number one. But then number two, she also said, I'm not willing to remove the filibuster. She is in a purple state. She is in a very vulnerable area, and so is Joe Manchin. That's why they're making these decisions in the Senate and hopefully with elections and midterms coming up. Possibly more can as well. Um, understand that they do not want to remove the filibuster and ultimately possibly lose their seat, and, and hopefully they do anyways for even basing their compromise on that. Second issue something to be fully we need to be fully aware of is that as Roe was overturned um we want to make sure we're aware of the full spectrum of issues going on is that abortion pills have been increased in their orders not only from states that are going to continue to allow abortion but there are international companies based in Mexico um and I forget where else that are willing and nonprofits that are willing to even send pills to 
women and, and people in states that do have abortion bans in place, and even in Louisiana, that specifically has a law that will allow the state to go after a, a business who sends a pill that has been approved by the FDA over via the mail. Because they said the Louisiana Democratic governor signed this bill into law saying that it is unlawful for a business to send an abortion bill to a, a, a woman to take at home without being in the proper care of a woman. And there are companies out there who are doing this. Um, inter now, American companies are not because they understand the legalities of this. International companies and nonprofits are like, we don't care. It's a complete just lawlessness. Um, there, so we want to just be aware of what's going on. Also, um, we're seeing, and I think this is something that's interesting, is we need to be fully aware of this and ask ourselves as those within the church, and hopefully the, the, the veil can be removed from this, is as Elizabeth Warren calls for a an attack on um, care pregnancy centers, who supposedly fool and or torture women who want to understand the choices that they're making. Meanwhile, that's the very thing Planned Parenthood does in some cases. There have been upwards of 50 attacks on pro-life centers, groups, churches, care pregnancy centers, and there has not been one single arrest. Maybe there are investigations in some, maybe there aren't in others, but this is this is very problematic. And, and, and the reason I want to bring this forward is the church – we need to have that veil removed. It's a time to be fully aware of, okay, here's their response. They're going to physically attack. We saw this during COVID and BLM and all that stuff. They're going to physically attack and destroy places, not only that are in their own communities, or and in some cases, they're these people are, are, are mercenaries for hire, basically. And we want to continue to to pray and repent for the Biden administration and other leader stances um, for abortion and ultimately um, pray that they leaders such as Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema stand against this pro-abortion agenda and re the removal of the filibuster is more important and for the veil to be removed from the church so that their their eyes will be able to see um because at the end of the day, as Paul talks about here in verse 3, it says the veil is on those who are perishing. Is We want to pray that that spirit be removed, and we want to reach out to, towards them and their soul and their eternal destiny as well. Because um, we don't want to see you know anybody go to hell. But at the same time, is look, there, there has to be an awakening spiritually. There has to be a revival here. And the church has to understand it needs to separate itself from this agenda in whatever form, whether it be Republican or Democrat or, or whatever. And, and so we want to understand this and understand the realities of what is going on on the grounds and also understand what is coming up um, in this week. So again, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are the key votes there to not remove the filibuster. And also we're seeing Bernie Sanders come out on the budget issue in attacking Joe Manchin for what he calls intentionally sabotaging the president's Build Back Better 3.0 agenda. He's upset about that. We have prophetic about this. This is why I want to bring this up, and I'll close out on this, is um, he's, 
he's talking about how uh, the U.S. is moving rapidly into an oligarchic form of society, uh, which is quite interesting coming from him. And he says this statement about Joe Manchin on the Sunday news shows yesterday. He says, um, when asked about who voters need to, to must elect Democrats to protect the climate, he says, it ain't Democrats. Um, it isn't the president. It's the future of the planet, basically on on why you need to vote this this way for people who are going to vote for the quote-unquote climate agenda. And he goes on to say, he says, when Manchin sabotages, sabotages climate change, this is the future generations, what's going on right now. This is an existential threat to humanity. What this election must be about is whether or not we're going to vote for candidates who have had to stand up for working people, stand up for the planet, and have the courage to take the billionaire class uh, who dominates our economy. That's what the election is about. We need more progressive Democrats. And it's quite interesting is that's exactly who Joe Manchin is standing up for. That's exactly who Kirsten Sinema is standing up for, for the rights of even those who have the smallest voice. Because when you look at why Joe Manchin is standing up and some of the things he's standing up for is because if West Virginia itself was able to be able to pipe natural gas out of its state, it could help not only the U.S. economy, but international economies as well. And so it's very – he came out again this weekend um, and killed some things that the president was trying to do. Joe Manchin specifically, and and they're they're not happy about that. Um, he again has talked about if you're going to do anything, you need to balance the budget. That is mature, proper, um, responsible budgeting and spending, and they're upset about that. And so we want to just stand and pray for both Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin to continue to have the backbone to stand up against the removal of the filibuster in making sure that they continue to stand for freedom and every voice of every American in this nation, not just some hyped up uh, agenda. Because even the things that Biden, uh, I mean, Bernie Sanders was saying of this is about future generations, he's absolutely right. And, and now America is at the teetering point of which way they want to go. And what he's talking about here is, is this is Marxism right in front of our very eyes. If you don't do what we say, you don't do it when we say it, how we say it, even if we're aligned with you to some degree, we want to remove you, we want you out of office, to heck with you. House divided cannot stand and the Democrats itself are divided. And so we really, um, the, yes, this is from a bunch of millionaires, uh, which is very funny, uh, <laughs> very funny. So we wanna continue to stand against this, be aware of what's going on in this nation and not forget the this the prayer calls and the prayer points the Lord has called us to via the prophetic of standing against the Bernie Sanders agenda. So blessings all in, in there on this week. We have a lot. Uh, that's why I said hopefully you guys are refreshed, um, back in a place to stand on the wall praying for not only this nation but the office of the president and the destiny of this nation, which is to stand for the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. So blessings, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one.